Friends, let us pray. Holy One, startle us with your truth and surprise us with your grace, that we may grow more and more into the people you have dreamed of since before you laid the foundations of the earth. We ask this in Christ's name, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Mary Oliver, in her poem, Don't Hesitate, shares this. If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not very often kind, and much can never be redeemed. Still, life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is its way of fighting back, that sometimes something happens better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything, but very likely you'll notice it in the instant when love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. These words by Mary Oliver have been swirling in my mind in this season of Christmastide and Epiphany. We've come to the end of the 12 days of Christmas, my favorite time of year because it is when I never know what day of the week it is. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be. All rules are off. I have eaten way too much chocolate. But it is also the season where God has showed up in Jesus, and it's going to take us all a while to figure out what it means. But there are moments of being surprised by joy. I love in our scripture reading that it's a surprising group of astrologers from a different religion, magi who come with lots of questions for the Hebrew and political leaders of ancient Palestine, who are the ones who recognize who Jesus is. I love this time of year remembering that God shows up in a surprising baby, so much so that we need help from all kinds of people and places and ideas to actually come to terms with Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. I also love that this is the time of year that many of us get to spend time with the people we love the most. To be together with friends unexpectedly who call or text you and say, let's get together. This is a time of year when I find myself lost in dreaming of what life could be and being open to saying yes. Many people at this time of year set our sights upon those guiding stars, assessing where we've been and where we're going and who we're letting guide us along the way. This can be a time of discerning what is most important to focus on in the year ahead. In my home, this is the time of year when we make plans for when we will be away. All of the different travel adventures and work commitments, scheduling when we will be with family and deciding on our personal and professional growth experiences for the year ahead. It's a little bit insane and it doesn't help me 
to know what day it is or even what month it is, planning 12 years, or 12 months at once, it feels like 12 years, 12, 12 months at once, two people, all sorts of website tabs open, making reservations. But by epiphany, it is our goal each year to have all our vacations and study leave prepared. And I love this practice because it reminds both Eric and I that there's not just one part of who we are. We're not just our jobs. We're this interaction of various relationships and passions, needs and responsibilities. It's a part of a journey of following Jesus that is open to surprise. Starting the year by checking in with all the different bits of who we are, all of who God is making us into, who Jesus has brought into our lives, reflecting on what helps us to become who God dreams of. It's a special time of year. The story of the Magi is one that I have heard so often, but each year seems to settle into me in a new way. The story of the Magi reminds us that there will be many who wish to guide our lives, not all of whom have the best interest of us or the world at heart. Some people can help us to encounter Jesus or to find that which we are searching for, but we need to be discerning about who we continue with or return to afterwards. Just as the Magi were helped by Herod, but then listened to God's warning in their dreams, returning home by another way, sometimes that which helps us to encounter God isn't where we should make our home. Sometimes that which helps guide us can be a force of power that is not for us. Growing up, the church was such an important part of my life, and at a pivotal moment, there were a group of people in our congregation back at Tualatin Presbyterian Church who knew that I needed to see maybe a different way of my life being guided. My mother had had a serious illness, and I had spent a lot of time in the hospital with her, and they wanted me to go to church camp, which I was very unsure about, but I loved it. It was such a supportive community and such a great way of just being able to be a child and not be controlled by fear, to be able to play and to just be free. It was such a pivotal part of my life. And while I was there at one of the campfires late at night, I had this experience of coming into the presence of God, of Jesus showing up. And the easiest way to describe it was like being hugged by Christ, of being held, of all of who I was, all the different parts of who I was being accepted and loved and beloved. And that was a hard thing to experience because I carried in my life so much shame. If people only knew who I really was, they wouldn't care for me the way that they did. If God really knew who I was, there wouldn't be a place for me. And this experience wiped all of that away. 
It was a central part of my faith journey. But for so long, the story that was stuck in my head, the guide that had led me to that point, was our our nations and much of the church's understanding of God loves us so much because we are so awful and yet Jesus still loves us. It's based in shame. It's based in uh, degrading of ourself. And even when we can encounter grace and acceptance, the result is returning to that house of shame, of not being enough. Shame brought me to that moment of God, but it was not where I was to return home to. I was to go home by a different way. That radical acceptance of God, of myself, led me to slowly be able to accept others in different ways. I wonder for how many of us Shame has been a guiding star that has led us into faith and what we could be led into if that wasn't what was motivating and controlling us. Next month, we will be welcoming, um, thanks to our friends at the, in Partners in Ministry, onto Swarthmore's campus and here, the Reverend Nadia Bowles-Weber, who will be speaking about two topics which seem incredibly important and prescient for the community of Swarthmore. The first at the college is called Try Less Hard, which I think many of us <laughs> could feel might be important. She'll be speaking about how accepting who God has made us to be and glorifying God and giving thanks to God for that, even in the places where we think we might not measure up, is an important spiritual practice, that we can't earn our way into God's love. She'll also be speaking about her book, Shameless. And I would invite you all in that talk and in the discussions that we will have in adult formation around it, to think about what would happen if, the, if in the coming season of Lent, your spiritual practice was finding some freedom from shame. I don't know what the shame is for you, but I know that God's grace is wider and deeper and more embracing than I ever could imagine. And I know it's the same for you. When we take stock, when we look at what has guided us, even if we are happy where we have arrived, even if our life journey has brought us into the presence of the living God, there are times when what has guided us isn't where we need to return to. Sometimes the powers and ideas of our world and our lives were for us for a season. And it's time to go home by another way. I hope that we can find our ways home, letting go of that which, seems, which seeks to control us through power. May it be so. And may we be good magi to one another listening for God's call to return home in new ways.
In the name of the one who was and is and evermore shall be. Amen.